It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program for this Wednesday. And I, uh, since uh, primary day was yesterday, I needed an analyst of the election returns. And so I asked uh, Superintendent of Schools, uh, Dr. Patrick McGee, to join us in studio to analyze uh, last night's uh, results. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. I, I, I don't, I don't know. He's where, ready to go home. I, I don't know where this is going. No. But I, but I. <laughs> Only kidding. Only kidding with you. We're not going to ask you anything about the primary. We're going to keep it uh, right down your alley. Um, uh, I hope you have a sense of humor. <laughs> I, you do. Well, now that my heart's restarted, yes, I do. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to our program. And, uh, yes, we're going to talk about Woonsocket Public Schools in this segment of the program. Uh, this is a busy uh, individual, Mr. Uh, McGee. So uh, we'll ask him some uh, pertinent questions about the uh, opening of school and uh, what's going on in the school department. And then uh, let him go on and do, uh, do the job of uh, running Woonsocket Public Schools. So thank you for joining us, first of all. Uh, you're welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Roger. It's a little different. I'm in a different seat here today. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the chairman's seat today, and I, I hope to live up to expectations. You'll do fine uh, because <laughs> we're going to ask you questions of stuff that you live in uh, day in and day out. We're going to begin with the easy stuff first. Uh, so school started uh, about a week ago. And uh, so I was just wondering um, if you can maybe uh, just give us some general stats of how many kids are going to school and and uh, what kind of a teaching staff we have in terms of numbers and whether uh, the uh, buses are showed up on time and uh, whether the kids are eating food in the schools and mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Uh, general sure. opening of schools. Sure. Well, you know, our our student uh, enrollment is is has held steady for the last couple of years. We're just under um, about six thousand students uh, across the district. We have, uh, you know, our teaching staff uh, from year to year is 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 around five hundred, five hundred between five hundred and five hundred and fifty. Of course, we we've heard, we've read a lot about, and we've seen on uh, on TV. Uh, you know, across the country, there there's a, a a challenge for school districts to fill you know teaching positions, especially those hard to fill positions like the you know the mathematic positions and the special education positions and those positions that require um, multiple certifications. Uh, we've been working really hard here in um, in Woonsocket, you know, since really the the end of the school year. Once once positions are open and become available, uh, they're they're advertised, they're posted, you know, internally and and then externally. So we've hired, uh, I would say, from the start of the summer uh, through through uh, now, we we've hired well over uh, you know fifty staff and and that's not just teaching staff but that that that's goes from you know certified teachers to uh you know certified paraprofessionals to um you know secretaries custodians facilities um monitors uh you know lunch monitors and and things like that um so we're working hard we we still have about um about 20 or so positions that we still need to fill um, and, it, and it's been challenging. I mean, you know, the, this, as I said, this, uh, the conversation that we've had about, you know, the, the national uh, challenge of, of, of filling positions is, is it, it's accurate. Um, you know, there for, for whatever reason, uh, it's, it's very, very difficult. And it's been difficult, you know, not just since the pandemic. That certainly has, has um, 
has made it a little bit more difficult. But, you know, leading up to the pandemic, it's kind of always been challenging to fill these these quote unquote hard to fill positions. But, you know, our um, our administrators and our directors and our staff are working hard to to fill as many of those positions as you know quickly as possible. Dr. Patrick McGee is our guest. We'll uh, call him uh, Patrick through the program, but uh, he is our uh, superintendent of schools in Woonsocket. We're talking about the opening of schools. Um, those twenty positions that you talk about across the country. This is a national issue. Some of them are huge numbers of um, of not having staff. And these are not just teachers. I guess uh, they, they fall in all categories. But is there a particular category? Like, are these 20 positions, like, mostly in the high school? Or are the elementary? Are there some, like, almost impossible to mm. fill? So it's an interesting year because typically what we find is the positions that the positions that are unfilled tend to be secondary positions, tend to be high school positions. So we tend to have more of those each year um, as we you know enter the school year. This year it's it's reversed. Um, we're actually in really good shape at the secondary at the high school level. Um, it's the, the challenge has been at the elementary level, um, and to to a lesser degree at the at the middle school. Um, so it really has kind of shifted this year from um, you know from the norm. All right, um, I want to uh, talk a little bit about um, about a Channel Twelve uh, story that they did. Uh, Channel Twelve reached out to all the superintendents across the state. And uh, had, I think, five questions uh, for them. And so when, uh, when they got to Patrick McGee, uh, and I think the question was, what, you know, what is the most serious problem uh, facing uh, your school districts? You, I think you answered that you were talking about maybe uh, the mental health of, uh, of the students uh, that was uh, complicated by the COVID, uh, the COVID experience. Is, was that your answer to uh, Channel 12? And, that, and could you explain that to sure, us? Sure, yeah, it, it was my answer. And, um, you know, we, we've talk, I've talked about this, you know, si- since the, the start of COVID. And, and again, this is, this is one of those where even leading up to COVID, it, it has been a challenge here in Woonsocket. Um, and that challenge is, is being supporting our students and our families that have um, significant, you know, mental health needs. And um, the pandemic, again, made that uh, difficult situation even more challenging um, because, again, you had students that were isolated from one another. They were isolated, you know, from their teachers and staff. Um, you know, it, interestingly, at the high school, we have um, we have a an amazing peer mentor program, which has grown over the last two years from approximately forty students to eighty students, and they these these incredible students have been trained in um, some of them have been trained in teen mental health um, awareness. Um, they've been trained in with with, with um, Mentor Rhode Island and and some other. Um, organizations around supporting their peers in a variety of ways. Um, and one of those ways is recognizing when a peer is is having difficulty and is struggling emotionally, um, which which often leads to academic struggles. Um, but we we had we met with them this um, this week. Uh, the Valley Breeze and the Winsocket Call 
came out to interview uh, a, a certain number of them. And w- that was one of the things that they said was that that e- even for some of our peer mentors had had struggles and, and struggled um, with their, um, you know, social emotional health through the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic the fact that they're back to school, they're able to interact with their peers, they're able to interact with their teachers was, um, you know, was something that, that they, they expressed what was, what was so important to them and it helped them. So we are focusing on, you know, supporting our students across the district, not just at the high school um, in uh, social, emotional, uh, mental health. But yeah, that, that is, that is the biggest challenge that, that we're facing. And I, and I suspect um, I didn't see the responses from the other superintendents from other districts, but I would suspect that that probably would be a common theme. And what kind of staff uh, do you have on hand to uh, address uh, those issues? Do we have um, a psychologist? Do we have several psychologists? Do we have a bunch of social workers? Who does this? So we do. So we, we do have a, a team of professionals that at, e- at each level that can support our students. Uh, we have um, psychologists. Uh, in fact, we've we've utilized. You know, talking about our our ESSER funds that we've that we've spent over the last few years, we've put quite a few, uh, quite quite a, a large amount of, of those ESSER funds towards adding psychologists in the district. We've we've added those. Uh, we added a psychologist this for this school year. Uh, we've added social workers uh, across the district. We've added more this year. And we've also added uh, behavior interventionists across the district. So, um, and it's not just limited to those professionals. I mean, those are the trained professionals, right? That that we that we hire, that we bring in to to work with with our students and families around their specific social emotional needs. But we've also done a really um, really good job over the last few years of training our staff as well in mental health first aid. That was one of the um, very important initiatives um, that we use for our Project Aware grant, which we received about five years ago, which we fortunately are very excited to announce that we have a, a four-year extension to that um, to that uh, grant, Project Aware grant, which will continue to provide supports for our students and their social emotional needs. So we do. So we've we do have the staff. We can always use more, um, but. You know, we have added, we have had the, the ability to add more social workers and psychologists and behavior interventionists over the last handful of years. Patrick McGee is with us, Dr. Patrick McGee. Superintendent of Schools, we're doing a potpourri of uh, topics as we jump all over the place on new school buildings. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on. But I wanted to talk about that survey again by Channel 12 because when they got to the Providence Superintendent of Schools, uh, he uh, spoke about uh, the following topic as his most significant topic. I want to see if it's second on your list or third. Um, he talked about absenteeism in two different areas, absenteeism of students, absenteeism of teachers. And uh, I'd like to uh, have you uh, uh, rank that one as uh, your, um, your challenges and, and how we're doing uh, in both of those departments. So, um, yeah, I, I think that is, you know, I, I think that there's, there's a correlation, <clears throat> excuse me, between social-emotional struggles of students and absenteeism. I think when you, when you have students that are struggling socially-emotionally, 
And when you have students, and, and quite honestly, families that have the, the level of, of mental health needs as we see here in the city, that's going to affect them coming to school, and that's going to affect their attendance. Um, unfortunately, again, um, much like the social-emotional needs over the years, uh, we, we have had um, attendance as, as, a, as a major issue um, among our students. And, you know, interestingly, uh, about a week or so ago, you know, I send out uh, weekly um, news updates uh, to the uh, community, to the families and to our teachers. And the last one I sent out last Friday, I specifically talked about absenteeism and chronic absenteeism because, um, you know, people might not, this might not sort of resonate with folks out there, but if a student misses two days of school a month, that, that makes them chronically absent. Um, 10 per- missing 10% of the school year or 18 days, is, you're considered chronically absent. And those students, you know, the, the, the data show that students that are chronically absent um, don't do as well in school. I mean, like, that's sort of a no-brainer, right? If you're not there, you're not going to learn. Teachers can, can you know, have, and I've said this many times, teachers can put together amazing uh, lessons and they can put together amazing unit plans. And, but if a student's not there regularly, then they're, they're already, they're, 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 mo- they're going from behind. Um, they're starting the year already behind. So that certainly is a, a problem among our, our students. And, you know, so that's a problem. So what do we do? What are we doing about it? And I can tell you that every school in Woonsocket, our administrators and their staff work very hard to try to reach out to families, to try to reach out to students, to try to support them so that they do attend school. Um, each of, of my principals... Uh, for the beginning of the year, and this is something that I've, I've um, been having them do for quite a few years now, is they provide me with a calendar of sort of what, what initiatives, what activities, what procedures they use in their buildings to improve um, student attendance. So it's a problem. It's a problem here in Woonsocket. Um, and it's a problem that we, we have to have a partnership with the families. You know, the school department can't solve that problem single-handedly. We have to have the cooperation of the of the families. Um, you know, with respect to staff attendance, um, I, I don't see staff attendance as an issue here in Woonsocket. You know, I think we have uh, we have very dedicated staff who who come to school. Um, this is a challenging uh, district to work in. Um, you know, any any urban core district is, is challenging. You have challenges on top of the, the typical challenges that you might see, you know, in in a in a suburban uh, or a rural district. But um, but in instances where there is abuse, um, you know, I work very closely with the union um, to to address those types of situations. So I would say, all in all, in general, it's very good. However, when there are instances where there, you know, there there may be abuse, uh, then it's um, addressed. A couple of listeners have a question. We'll be taking a couple of calls, and sure. then we'll let you go. However, you said it's a challenging district. I'm going to make you feel good. <laughs> See, Mr. Superintendent, uh, locally, like for instance, the administrator of Mount St. Charles in North Smithfield had to deal with that. 
investigation of uh, possible hazing uh, and so forth. We're not getting into that, mm -hmm. but it's something you didn't have to worry about. And then you don't have to worry about uh, students who think they're cats down in the, is it the North Kingstown school system where this may or may not be happening. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so I hope that makes you feel better that you don't have to deal with some <laughs> of that stuff. But I do know you have to deal with some stuff. Uh, that uh, is uh, not very pleasant. I know um, that you get a lot of phone calls about, like, my uh, my child, they dropped my child off too early or they dropped my child off or they picked uh, my child up too late. Those are the kinds of things that you get, right, uh, it, every day? They, I do. Those are the easy ones, by the way. Um, there, there, are certain, there are certainly levels of, of, of difficulty. Uh, that, that would probably be a, 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 not, not for the parent, not for the student who wasn't picked up on time, certainly. I'm, I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. minimizing that. But, but in terms of, like, fixability, if you will... Um, you know, there are some that are a little easier to, uh, to solve than others. All right, we'll put the earphones on, take a couple of calls, and then let you go. Uh, a, few, a few messages from some of, some of our great sponsors. The name of the business, All Tech Painting. We've been serving the Massachusetts and Rhode Island community with top-notch painting services. We want to be your one-stop shop for interior and exterior painting, plastering, drywall repair, power washing, wood staining, and so much more. And we do all this with the promise of 100% satisfaction using quality materials and the finest product you can be proud of. That's the kind of company we are. Have any questions or want a quote? Call 401-378-7765. All Tech Painting. Of North Attleboro, ready to serve you at 401 378 7765. Skilled craftsmen, ready to work for you. Let's meet for lunch or dinner at the Roast House. Their menu offers something for everyone. Seafood and chicken, roasts, steaks, and chops. Appetizers and their rotation of the heartiest soups in the area. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11.30 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 10 p.m. Now, here are some of the delicious choices awaiting you at the Roast House. And when you go to the Roast House, um, I mean, they have lunch today and uh, it'll be served uh, and there's a whole bunch of different specials on the uh, Roast House luncheon menu. And uh, choose what you like. Uh, do you like fish tacos? Uh, we have a special uh, on that. And we have some uh, nice salads, too. Check out our luncheon menu, available daily at the Roast House. One of my favorites, the barbecue chicken sandwich at $8.99. It's broiled chicken breasts, braised and, uh, and basted with... Uh, Barbecue sauce and topped with uh, Jack and Cheddar cheese on a grilled buttered roll with uh, one side, I always say coleslaw, and uh, pickle spear. We are the Roast House in Blackstone, Massachusetts. All right, uh, superintendent's on a tight schedule here, but we're going to grab a couple of calls and, um, and wrap it up so we can get on his way. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, panel is Roger and uh, Dr. Patrick McGee. Are you here? Yeah. I'm here. Can you hear yourself in those phones? I can hear myself, yes. Okay. <laughs> let's uh, grab a few phone calls and uh, answer a question or find out what uh, is on the mind of a few people, and then uh, we'll move on. Hello there. Hi, uh, Roger. Hi, Patrick. Yes. Hello. Two-part question, Patrick. Uh, your feelings on marijuana into the community, mm -hmm. and are uh, the psychiatric team that's at the schools mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, taking care of the children? I'm just curious if this goes on their permanent record, uh, 
for later on in life when they go either into the military or they uh, have job search with the state or others and they see that on their record. Will they see that on their record or won't they? All right. Thank you for your call. We'll move to our next caller in a moment. Let's get these two questions behind us. So let me start with the second part of the question. Um, So anytime a student... Um, sees a, um, a staff member, you know, sees a, a, a counselor or sees a psychologist, um, that, that, that's, that's a school record uh, which is protected. Um, so those, those types of, of records are not shared with other agencies. So, um, you know, there, there, there wouldn't be a situation where, you know, if, if, if myself as a student, you know, sees regularly or, or just, you know, once, a, uh, a school counselor or a psychologist that those those records are they're protected by FERPA so that would not be shared with with other organizations the first question the first part um, with respect to marijuana uh, you know obviously there I, I don't believe that um, I, I don't think there there should be um, you know well let me let me let me start let me let me move back a little bit because I think I know the the, the where the question um, what the question is is legalizing um, the use of medicinal uh, marijuana um, in schools, which is something that um, that districts are 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 working on creating policies around so if a student has has a um, medicinal medicinal marijuana um, and and it's it's legitimate um, you know districts are now in the process of putting policies together as to how that would be handled by the school. Um, I, I'm not thrilled with it. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not thrilled having marijuana, whether it's a, you know, a uh, an edible or or a, you know a, a a pill that that's prescribed, um, being administered in the schools. However, um, this is something that school districts are, are faced with, um, and and we're we're in the process of. Of putting together a uh, a policy that addresses that. All right, and uh, we'll take another call, and then we'll finish up with a few more quick questions. Your comments or questions for uh, the superintendent? Hi. Yes, I do want to talk a little bit about teacher absenteeism. And mm-hmm. look, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that most teachers do the right thing. You know, I don't know, eighty, ninety percent. Yeah. Like anything, once you get a union, there's going to be some people who abuse it, whether it's firefighters, police, educators, whatever. But when you do have a teacher, and this is a dead serious question, when you have a teacher who you know is gaming the system, you know for a fact they're taking every Monday off, whatever, and you sit down with them to have a talk, and you say, hey, look, you had the whole summer off. You get every single holiday off. You get, I think it's Christmas week off. I think it's Thanksgiving week. I think it's uh, February vacation. When you look them in the eye and you say, hey, look, you have a better work-life balance than like 99.9% of the people in this country. When you look them in the eye and say, are you, is that not enough? Like, what is enough? You've burned up all your sick days. Now, when you do have that conversation, do they try to, do they do it with a straight face? Do they try to sell it to you with a straight face and be like, oh, no, rub, rub, rub? Or is it like an inside joke? You're like, hey, we're both educators, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just curious to how those conversations go. That's all I have, Mr. McGee. Thank you. Thank you for your Thank call. You. Yeah. What do you do with that person? Yeah, I mean, I do have. Do they had, own up? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. And, and I, I mean, I have had those conversations. You know, I haven't had very many of them over the years. Um, but, you know, like I, I was uh, talking about earlier, you know, it, I, we, we have a good relationship with the union. And, and the union, just, just like, you know, um, management, the school department, they, they want staff 
um, in school. They want staff, um, just like we want students in school, we want staff. They, staff have to be in school as well. Um, and in those types of situations, um, and, and I have had them where I, I've sat down with, with the union and with um, folks and, and, you know, said, you know, there's a pattern here. Can, can we help? Is there something that we can do? Um, it, it has worked. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's looking out for those patterns and if they exist, addressing it and, you know, and having a conversation with that person so that, you know, if, if there is abuse, it, it doesn't continue. All right. Now, a uh, couple of uh, quick questions uh, before you, we uh, let you, because I promised I wouldn't uh, hold you for the entire program. Plus, we're going to talk about the election yesterday, and, and you're not our commentator on that. <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Um, so, the city of Woonsocket on the municipal side has millions of dollars left over of American Rescue Funds to spend. Uh, over on the school department side, we don't call it American Rescue uh, Plan money. Uh, we call it, is it uh, ISA? Or yes, sir. Uh, S -S 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 what does that yeah. stand for? I, anyway? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> what does you that know, stand I'm for? I'm going to start just writing it down and putting it in my wallet somewhere. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's elementary and secondary education. Um, right. it, um, money. Some, money. It, okay. it's, it's federal money that, that, that school departments receive to um you know to, right. to mitigate the, the the effects of covid so do we have a lot of it the city of Winsocket has hardly spent any of it mm -hmm. we've taken out of some contracts we've got a whole bunch to left to spend we've got a lot of places we can spend it yes. do you have a lot of money left over did you spend most of it or uh is there more coming yes. and are we saving it for uh upgrading our schools or new schools or what so we um, we're up to ESSER three right now, and it doesn't appear as though there there will be any any more funds beyond ESSER three. So we've spent through ESSER two, um, you know, and I, I don't know in terms of other districts, you know, if other districts have spent the money, but we we've been very very uh, diligent um, in in spending those funds on things that we need. Um, and one of the challenges with, with getting, so, so it's sort of, a, I hate to say a double-edged sword because you never want to say a double-edged sword when it comes to receiving money and receiving funds. But when you, when you receive that amount of money, you, you know, your first thought is we're going we're gonna to add personnel because all of a sudden you have this influx of, of, of money. The problem is when that money dries up, you have all of these positions that are not funded. So we, we did our very best to try to balance adding critical positions and also, um, you know, increasing the, the amount of services, whether it's through um, programs or through curricula or through before and after school support for students and summer support for students. So we've spent through our up, up to our ESSER 2 funds. ESSER 3, we have approximately 29 million. We've started to um, spend the, we started to go into the ESSER funds. And as I was uh, talking earlier, uh, when we were talking about the, the needs of the district, you know, I said that we've added psych, uh, psychologists, social workers, and, you know, behavior interventions. So we have used, started to use some of the ESSER 3 funds on some of those critical positions. Um, but we do have a plan that we submitted to, uh, to the Department of Ed. And, um, you know, we have two years. We have this year and we have next year to spend through uh, those funds. Now, we also could be looking to use a portion of those funds, a portion of the $29 million, uh, for um, new building construction. 
which is um, which would really be a game changer here in Woonsocket. So we're we're holding um, a, a portion of that because as as you and the and the listeners might be aware, we have a nine, about a ninety four reimbur- uh, percent reimbursement rate. So any construction that we would um, you know we would um, move forward with ninety four percent would be paid by the state six approximately six percent would be paid by the um, the municipality or the district so we want to make sure that we have enough left of that ESSER three so that when we do get to that point where we need to provide the six percent we'll have that money Patrick what drives that ninety four percent rate is it uh, our poverty level uh, is it our education scores or does the Department of Education just like us a lot? Well, they, they like us, um, they, but, but that's not the reason. Um, you know, they, they, they like us and they do support us, um, but it, it's really just the level of poverty um, here in Woonsocket. And, and so um, that, uh, has, that uh, I, I remember it's always been high, but uh, I don't remember it as high as 94. That's a... Mm. That's a nice reimbursement rate. I guess it's the only distant, only advantage of being a poverty community, right? The, well, yeah, I guess that's that's one way certainly of, of looking at it is, you know, yeah, we so we're we're we have high poverty, but we're we're fortunate that, you know, because we're high poverty, we do receive more uh, of of those um, of those the percentage of funds. So, uh, in summary, we got off to a pretty decent start to the school year. You didn't have to take any high blood pressure pills or anything like that, right? Well, I already do. Already. That, that's, I've been taking those for years. So, yeah, um, I haven't had to take any more or change my prescription. But, uh, no, I, it, it, it's, it's been a good start to the year. Um, you know, we, our, our high school, our, the freshmen, um, my, I've spent some time. Uh, in the in the very first few uh, few days of school, you know, seeing you know the freshmen and and speaking with the freshman administrator, um, and th- so there's a lot of positivity around the, this incoming freshman class, um, and and so far they've they've done a nice job of um, you know of starting the school year. So we're excited about that. Um, you know, one of the things that we're going to be continuing to work on, and, and again, this goes hand in hand with the mental health and the social emotional issues, um, is is the violence in the in the city and, and in the schools. Um, we've we've had some incidents so far where we have had a few fights. Um, you know that that's uh, something that we are we started working on and, and trying to solve those issues last year. Um, we've had. Um, uh, constant communication with the Nonviolence Institute. In fact, I'm going to be meeting with them. I met with them over the summer. We've met with them many times um, since the uh, the spring when those incidents started to um, to rise at the secondary level. Um, and we're in the process of, of coming to uh, a memorandum of understanding with them where they're going to be supporting uh, our our students and our community. Um, so that that's that work is still in progress, and I'm hopeful that this fall they're going to start working with us and with our kids um, at the secondary level, specifically at the high school. Thank you, Mr. Superintendent, for joining us. Um, you may move on your way. Thank and you, And we Roger. won't ask you any questions about the primary, right? Uh, I, that's, not my, uh, that's not my lane, but I, I could fake it. I hope you voted anyway. <laughs> I did vote, okay. yes. You're a good citizen. Thank you, Dr. Patrick McGee, for joining us today. Thank you very much, Roger. A pleasure. All right.
We have some commercials to catch up with, and then we'll uh, talk about the election in a few minutes. Whether you like it or not, snow is coming soon. Are you ready to control it? Tony's State Line Power Products at 271 Main Street in Blackstone has the king of the snow, Aaron's snow throwing equipment. Come on in and talk to Tony and she'll size up how much of a snow throwing experience you need. We have a full line of Aaron's snow throwers to handle your property from 20 inches to 36 inches of clearing capacity. We also have portable generators by Generac and Husqvarna for your emergency power needs. Come see our huge selection at State Line Power Products in Blackstone. Showroom open Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. Tony's State Line power products is ready for this winter are you are you all right thank you we want to mention that uh savini's pomodoro italian kitchen and bar uh will be the scene tomorrow night of the uh autumn fest uh, party honoring the grand marshal but uh they're open uh, for uh for you today wednesday at noontime kitchen closes uh tonight at uh, eight o'clock and um and we have uh, some uh, some great uh, deals going on at um, Savini's Pomodoro. First of all, I want to mention, even though today is Wednesday, on Tuesdays, they have a nice wine list. And you can look at that wine list. And if it's a $30 bottle of wine, you can have that $30 bottle of wine for $15. Half price on bottles of wine every Tuesday at Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. And... Um, we also uh, want to remind you that um, people enjoy our soup and salad bar. And if you're ordering an entree, let's say uh, you're having uh, chicken parmesan, for $5 you can have the soup and salad bar added to your, um, to your bill. Or what you can do is have the soup and salad bar and then have some proteins added to, uh, to your salad like uh, pomodoro meatballs or... Uh, seared salmon or grilled chicken or steak tips or grilled um, grilled shrimp that's what you can do we're kind of flexible over at uh, savini's pomodoro italian kitchen and bar so it's uh, a nice place and uh, they also have chef's specials we'll tell you more about the chef's specials on tomorrow's advertisement for savini's pomodoro kitchen and bar open at noontime uh, today and um, one other thing you can have family-style chicken anytime you want. It's uh, something that we've always had and probably something that we'll always will have. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. Made Believable, the company where we love to clean so you don't have to, is now hiring. We're the best place to work with paid time off and gas reimbursement, of course. You'll be a certified professional cleaner. Call Crystal at 401-309-7440 and find out why we are the best place in town to work. We are a Cumberland-based business. We are fully insured and bonded, too. And if you want our services, remember, we bring our own supplies and equipment. Our cleaning professionals are thoroughly screened, background checked, and trained. And we're pet friendly. And we can work with any budget. And we'll customize the cleaning for you. Made believable. Again, our number, 401-309-7440. 
You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel has reconvened. Thank you, Dr. Patrick McGee, Superintendent of Schools, for stopping by and uh, chatting with us. And uh, tomorrow uh, we have uh, Christopher Boulay. He was on vacation last week, but he'll be back and we'll be chatting uh, with him about uh, the issues of the day. Right now in this segment of the program, uh, Jeff Kamash is in studio. They're getting ready for a recipe for a good day. I hope you're ready over there on that side, the microphone at 905, right? Yeah, we got some nice stuff. We can be some soups, some stews, and a, uh, a nice sandwich for that chuck roast, too. All right. But that's not what we're going to talk about right now. We're going to talk about that uh, we wanted to leave a little room in the program to, um, to comment on the election. And um, we had one. And I'm going to begin with uh, the uh, first um, um, race uh, that we were covering, uh, and that was a uh, district race uh, in District 49. And uh, Glenn Dusablon uh, defeated Alex Kithis. reason I'm bringing that one up first is uh, email uh, from uh, John Brian. He says, I want to extend my congratulations to Glenn Dusablon on his victory over Alex Kithis. I look forward to a spirited campaign over the next few months. I'm also looking forward to participating in several public forums where we can debate and discuss the important issues and solutions concerning District 49. North Smithfield and Woonsocket needs experienced and serious leadership, and I look forward to working on behalf of the people of those communities. Best, John. And... Um, and I, I don't know if that was sent to um, Mr. Duceplan, but anyway, uh, I guess we're ready to begin the second part of the election season. The primary is behind us, and the November elections are in front of us. And, of course, that's going to have a lot of uh, significance, too, nationally, as we watch uh, the races and see if uh, the Senate and the House in Washington will change at all. In November. Good morning, Jeff. And um, you can begin anywhere you want to on the elections. Well, it's going to be an interesting race. Glenn Dusablon and John Brian. Uh, John looking to return to the General Assembly. Uh, last uh, last round out for him for a General Assembly race. He was challenged by Steve Casey, uh, which is a union-connected candidate. I think we can safely say that. Uh, and uh, it was an interesting outcome as uh, Steve Casey edged him out in the primary, and then John entered into a write-in campaign. And it's kind of a similar situation here with Glenn Dusablon. If you saw some of the uh, mailings that had gone out uh, late in the campaign, well packaged mailers, might I say, um, really uh, presenting a Glenn Dusablon, who will have that union support. So we'll see if history repeats itself or if John Brian can overcome what I'm going to reference as the union machine, if you will. All right. Yeah. And uh, see, uh, the the campaign, um, you know, uh, when we're talking about Dusablon, uh, his... Um, his financing comes from some of the unions. The reason we know that information is we were looking at whatever uh, the news media can look at, and that is the expenditure of campaign funds that they have to file with the, I believe, the Board of Elections. And uh, you get an idea of where your money is coming from for a particular uh, candidate and where it is not coming from. 
And uh, that sometimes is the uh, the topic of a news story. And something similar between the 49 and the 51 district, uh, there were two progressive candidates, Alex Kithis falling to Glenn Dusselbond, who took Woonsocket and North Smithfield, by the way. And in the Cumberland-Woonsocket District 51 race, the other progressive candidate, Marlene Guy, uh, fell to Bob Phillips uh, about two to one. So what that would tell us is, once again, is there's so much hype leading up to the election, um, is at least here in this northern corner of Rhode Island, not as progressive as some of the other regions in the state. All right, and we uh, want to mention, uh, since uh, we have another uh, 13 to go, 13 minutes, if uh, there's something that you would like to comment on in the election cycle, whether it's... Uh, for the two federal seats that we have in the uh, city in the state of Rhode Island, that being the first congressional district, that's the one we're in here in Woonsocket, David Cicilline and Alan Waters will be going at it uh, in November. Or the second federal seat, which is the uh, second congressional district on the other side of the state, uh, the uh, town of Boroughville down to the town of Westerly. And that will be now between... Seth Magazina, who won the Democratic primary, and Mr. Alan Fung, former mayor of Cranston. And last night I was listening to uh, WPRO on the way home from covering election returns. And uh, one of the things I found uh, that uh, um, found, uh, like, will you get off of it, please, was Seth Magazina saying that we have to protect Social Security. Uh, that's the right. And, you know, and, and there's all Democrats and all Republicans, if there's one topic that nobody touches, ever criticizes, and ever threatens to take money away, is Social Security because it's one of the most popular programs in, uh, it is the most popular program in the United States. It's a great program for older Americans. And then, that's followed by Medicare and Medicaid, and uh, these are three of the most popular programs, and and nobody ever threatens them. And there's Seth Magazina saying that we've got to protect Social Security from the Republicans, and I've never heard, I haven't never heard a Republican ever threaten Social Security in my lifetime, nor a Democrat, nor anybody. I think almost everybody loves Social Security. I can't wait till you get on it. You might, <laughs> Thank you. you may I hope on, I get on it. You may be on it sooner than you think. <laughs> um, but that is right out of the book written by David Cicilline on how to successfully campaign for the federal seat. Because if you take a look at his campaigns against Laughlin, against mm-hmm. Colonel Doherty, and you saw those television ads, no matter who he ran against, Roger, it was the same mantra. Well, he's going to cut your Medicaid. He's going to take your Social Security, and it leads to victory. So uh, maybe there was a phone call made because that has right. been the public uh, so that does work, marketing. Then, huh? You say it enough times, people believe yeah, it? He's used to that. People right. believe the first thing they hear, Roger. Right, and I like uh, the guy, uh, Seth Magazina. Um, I think he's uh, an all right guy, but when I heard that, I said, will you give it up? I mean, how stupid do you think I am? I guess he thinks very stupid because there they are. I mean, that is so old. Oh, all right, I'm done. I, tr- I promise I won't say it for another month or so until he says it again. I mean, if we interview him here, I think I'm going to, when he comes on uh, for, uh, for the purposes of talking about that race, I, th- I think I'm going to ask, you know, if he says something, I think I'll, I'll say, you're going to say that and think we're going to believe it. All right, 
I'm done. The other the other thing here is about a crowded primary and how um, really long shot candidates can impact the top tier candidates. Uh, and you take a look at the governor's race, Luis Daniel Munez, 3,400 votes plus, and you had roughly a 3,100 vote split between Governor Dan McKee and, and the challenger Helena Falks. Nellie Gobea took her 26%, Matthew Brown over 8,700. So the long shot candidates really do make an impact here in Rhode Island. We saw it with Lincoln Chaffin when he ran for governor, and I believe uh, Gina Raimondo, if memory serves me correctly, may have benefited from that as well. Um, and uh, that's interesting because you almost wonder, is it a, uh, is it a true reflection um, when uh, 32% of the Democrats support Dan McKee, but there's so many split choices that uh, the incumbent uh, does get back in office. So as a party, that's something they'll have to look at. Uh, and uh, Sabina Maddows did very well, crushed in Providence, which is an interesting look at uh, trends and what may have impacted that over the past year. Now, Providence, uh, large Latino community, I think it's safe to say that. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the numbers in Providence, Nelly Gobea crushed, uh, beat Dan McKee, beat Helena Folks. That was her territory. Uh, you take a look at the other races, Sabina Matos crushed 50, just about 59% of the uh, vote went to Sabina Matos in Providence, um, and uh, so on and so forth. Even Anastasia Williams will not be returning to the General Assembly. She was beat by a Latino as well, uh, and uh, I think she was hurt by some of the uh, racial uh, overstatements that was she made over the past year. And uh, one thing from talking to people in the community that came to me is a lot of the uh, Latino community was a little ruffled uh, through the Black Lives Matters movement, uh, felt that they were being separated from. And that may have played a role in Anastasia Williams uh, falling to a challenger that I believe to be relatively uh, unknown uh, beating her, Enrique George, uh, I don't know if it's Jorge, Enrique Jorge Sanchez, uh, and he beat her 52 to 39 percent uh, with another long shot taking some of the vote. But the only thing that didn't result in that Providence race was in the mayoral race, uh, where we saw um, uh, Bert Smiley uh, take that race over other Latino candidates. So uh, that was an interesting outcome because every place else. Using that ratio... He should have been, Brett Smiley should have been down to defeat big time, but but people picked him out of the uh, of the three uh, candidates, and the other two candidates uh, were Latino. Uh, so there was some uh, vote picking in that Providence race, as you so, uh, so noted in your remarks. Uh, Tierra Macca, by the way, the uh, twerking senator did uh, retain uh, her nomination. Oh, just edged out uh, Joseph Almeida for the District uh, 6 race as well. Um, <clears throat> so when you're looking at the trend, you do see that, uh, at least in the northern half of the state, the progressive movement that was, we were wondering, would it overtake? Uh, has not overtaken some of the candidates to also spoke out against, and I think you may have noted it, Roger, um, against uh, funding police that may have played a role in that Providence race, as other races as well. It's something that doesn't resonate here. I think members of the Providence Police uh, Department, uh, the union, and probably the administration are a little bit relieved this morning that uh, Brett Smiley... 
Now, Brett is not a conservative. I don't want anybody to think that. He's, he's a liberal uh, from the uh, Gina Raimondo uh, School of uh, Thinking. However, uh, he um, is a little more moderate when it comes to uh, public safety, as uh, well he should be. This segment sponsored by Grumpy's. So what's in your appetite? At Grumpy's in South Bellingham, their menu is so expansive, we can satisfy any taste. You may want to try a Grumpy Signature Burger. There are 12 to choose from. And if you like seafood, try our broiled seafood sampler of haddock, scallop, shrimp, lobster, and a stuffed quahog to go along. And you might want to check out a taste of Italy, too, from eggplant, parmesan, spaghetti and meatballs, and many other Italian choices. And you may want to try a grumpy sirloin steak, filet mignon, or a Bourbon Street steak tip dinner, all char-broiled to your taste perfection. And we have a nightly menu special and also weekend specials. Kitchen open Friday and Saturday till midnight. Restaurant open seven days a week at 3 o'clock Monday through Thursday at noon on weekends. It's time to make it a grumpy's experience today. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, now the 19th of... Uh uh, September is this coming Sunday, right? Yes. Right. right. All right. Good. So I know where I can read a calendar. Brian LaHousse uh, over at Grumpy's says uh, that that is halfway to St. Patrick's Day. And so if you enjoy St. Patrick's Day traditions like corn, beef, and cabbage dinners, or if you enjoy Reuben sandwiches, or just an old-fashioned corned beef sandwich smothered with... Uh, with mustard. To me, it's got to be smothered with mustard. But anyway, if you enjoy those things, you'll find them this coming Sunday because it's halfway to St. Patrick's Day at Grumpy's. And uh, we'll be serving corned beef and cabbage and related items all day long. And of course, uh, we have uh, the Irish beers, including uh, Guinness, uh, very uh, readily available through the day. We are Grumpy's of South Bellingham. Looking at my schedule here. I, I think we can get back to the show and kind of uh, wrap it up, right? Yeah, here we go. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, the panel has uh, reconvened, and uh, this is uh, a thank you, Patrick McGee, superintendent of schools, for the first part of the program, and he uh, gave us some uh, good information, or as we uh, sometimes say in the business, some good sound bites for tomorrow. In other words, you'll hear some of his uh, remarks that we thought uh, were pertinent uh, reiterated tomorrow. I'm Roger. Jeff Gamash has joined us, and we're doing a postmortem on the election. We have to congratulate uh, Bob Phillips. He made no qualms about who he was op- opposing or who was opposing him. He used the word progressive, and uh, I uh, did he use the word socialist? Uh, yeah, he yeah, was right. uh, I mean, far right. more outspoken right. than he's been in past right. campaigns, um, but uh, apparently so was right. his challenger, so he played hardball. Right, he wanted voters to know that uh, there was a difference between him and his challenger, and he used his uh, radio advertisements uh, to do so. I don't know if you saw that mailer that uh, his opponent sent out, um, Marlene uh, Guy. Guy, and uh, and did you see that one? Uh, no. So, right, right. This was sent out about a week ago, and it's a picture of uh, Bob uh, Phillips uh, mm-hmm. during a session of the General Assembly sleeping. Well, I, I'm familiar with the picture. Mm-hmm. It's very old. 
Um, and I believe out of this context. Is, this is out of this is uh, was disingenuine. Uh, so <laughs> disingenuous. Uh, disingenuous. Thank you, yeah. Bob Phillips. Sleeping during legislative session. I do believe that was during a recess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that photo was taken during recess. Right. But it was mailed out uh, to uh, to I people. I did not see that. Yeah, uh, to people. Uh, oh, look, Medicaid cuts. Yeah, there it and, is. Right. So uh, anyway. That uh, was uh, the kind of literature that voters were getting in that district. And uh, maybe some of them bought into it and uh, decided to vote for her. And uh, maybe some of them were turned um, turned off by it. I'm not really sure. All I do know is that Bob Phillips has been uh, reelected because he doesn't have to face anybody in November. Uh, there are no Republican challengers on the ballot. So yesterday... Last night, those final results uh, secured his seat in the Rhode Island House of Representatives. So congratulations, Bob, on that win. Yeah, and this is really dirty dirty pool politics because it's disingenuous. (laughs) It was during a recess. Um, The man teaches and then goes to work the General Assembly right after school. He's teaching right now. That's why uh, we're not uh, having a congratulatory comment. I guarantee we'll see it again with with probably 38 studios. Uh, um, But you don't have to be right. You just have to be first. Yes, and so the campaign is taking a deep breath but is not over. It will uh, begin. Uh, we'll resume the campaign. Uh, incidentally, we have Chris Boulay tomorrow. We'll resume the campaign on Friday. And uh, that will be uh, another interview with one of the candidates in the November election. And that will be a candidate running for school committee. Thank you, Jeff, for joining us here on the Upfront program. Good luck on Recipe with a good Thank day you. coming up in a few seconds. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been WNRI's Upfront. Presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.